Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Hashtag Another Round with my buddy and friend and monkey suit man, Kevin Huntsberger. You did it backwards, though. And Tom Harness. I gave you a top billing, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Top billing. I appreciate it. Because you're a BFD. You're a big wow. freaking deal. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, Kevin, I know that you have had your blog for, you just celebrated anniversary. Yeah. Eight years yesterday. Eight yes. years yesterday. You've really stepped it up the last couple of years, mm -hmm. I would say, trying to get it noticed, maybe to monetize it a little bit. Yeah. Turn it into more of a business model. Exactly. Uh, and I'm sure that you've researched, uh, you know, pay-per-click. Should I pay to have things go to my site? You know, how does that affect my rankings? Your SEO is huge for you. It's confusing as hell, though, and that's why I'm glad we have our guest today. We have an amazing <laughs> guy. Uh, I really wish he was here in, in <laughs> yes. our office. Yes. We got to meet uh, Kasim uh, at Midwest Digital Marketing Conference 2018, uh, and I was blown away, not only by just his his confidence, his uh, knowledge in this field, uh, mostly- He's got some killer bowling skills too. He does have some killer bowling skills, but this guy is really top notch. Yes. I searched him, looked him up a little bit more, and, and in a world of SEO and Google and pay-per-click, I wouldn't trust anybody else to tell me the truth, the yeah. honest truth about my business or, or to send someone than Mr. Kasim. What's in the house, buddy? What up, fellas? How you doing? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, so you were in Arizona, right? Yeah, Scottsdale, where it's hot. Which is, yeah, well, we got, with the humidity, we got 100 degrees right here, man. What do you got? Oh, I think it's like 96 or 97, last oh, I checked. Man. We're pretty much in the same spot, but you have the dry heat the dry heat yeah and you know the heat doesn't bother me at all to be honest with you i love it it like burns away uh the the excess here in arizona there's not as much traffic people don't go outside they don't bug you the midwesterners stay indoors it's cool so we're gonna dive right in kevin like kevin said it's so damn confusing this is your world you've made yeah. a living at it you've got a great business you've written a book break down first for first and foremost break down pay-per-click first, and then talk about how that really kind of affects uh, your SEO and your rankings with Google. Yeah, okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna start where all good conversations should start, which is with blasphemy. Um, I love it. Yeah, so let's begin there. Here's the analogy, this isn't my analogy, by the way, it's one that I heard, but it's one that I steal often for, for this conversation. Um, if you think about God as a construct, okay? Um, and I'm not going to tell you that God doesn't exist or does exist. I'm just going to talk about the way humans have treated God historically over like the last 20,000 years. God is a construct 20,000 years ago was the entity to whom we posed all of our questions, right? So you're a shepherd sitting in the middle of the desert and you don't know why it's not raining or why your kid is sick or why the sun rises in the morning. And, and when you begin asking yourself those questions, there's no answer because you don't have any historical precedence or education or anything. And so the the way you you satisfy the thirst for that knowledge is is you have to address those questions to something to an entity and that entity for us for the longest time has been god and that's important and it's an important distinction because if you think about where we are now the entity to whom we now pose all of our questions isn't god anymore it's google and it's laughable right like we think about like oh god that's so funny but it's it's so profound in how important it is, Google has, in some instances, not every instance, but in some instances, it's replaced God for us. It's now the entity to whom we pose all of our questions. And so you think to yourself as a business owner, this is the strongest indicator of intent 
that exists. When somebody goes to Google and says, how do I, where do I, what is whatever, you now have the strongest indicator of intent that exists. Google has done demonstrations where they can show that a woman is pregnant before she tells her husband. And in some instances, Google knows when a woman is pregnant before she knows because well, they have. Kevin, is your wife been spending excessive amounts of time <laughs> <Yes>. on Google? <laughs> on Google, right. Uh oh, we better watch out then, man. Immaculate conception, another example of Google being God. Yeah, so, because he shoots blanks. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kevin looks like he's got a powerful flow there. I don't buy it for a minute. Um, Google is Google is where people go at the beginning of every single possible journey. Every buying journey, travel journey. I mean, before, if you're going to get divorced, before you even bring it up to your best friend, you go to Google and you start looking at some of the implications. Um, we need to use that information and that data in order to capitalize on uh, that indication of intent. And the further up in the, in the sales funnel you can go, the more effective your marketing is going to be. And I'm going to get to your question about SEO and PPC, I promise. But this is important context. Um, what I think a lot of people don't understand, because when you bring PPC up to people, especially in, in the Google context, because PPC can be in other things, right? It could be like Facebook or AdRoll or Taboola. But I talk about Google Ads because that's where the majority of the market share is. The thing that I always get is, oh, well, PPC is so expensive. And the first response to that is, yeah, because it works. Things that work are expensive. Chemo is expensive, right? Like you're, a good mechanic is expensive. PPC is expensive because it works. But PPC is also expensive because you're right at the bottom of the funnel. So, you know, if you're bidding on, um, if you're a mechanic and somebody goes, hey, I need to repair my car, then you're going to pay a whole lot because other people are bidding for it. The way to really begin to capture that traffic is to travel further up in the funnel and start begin thinking about intent. How about what is the noise? You know, what, what's this noise in my car? Like, why is my car making a knocking noise? Or, or how come my car pulls to the left? Or, you know, I mean, now you've traveled up the sales funnel and before somebody realizes they need a repair, you've been able to contextualize the conversation in a way that helps you help them diagnose and uh, you're now marketing in what we call a silo. So take all of that information, all that knowledge, the fact that Google is the strongest indicator of intent and that we need to travel up the sales funnel and put it on a shelf for a moment, okay? Now that it's on a shelf, realize that there are a number of ways for us to get in front of Google prospects. The two most important, and there's actually a myriad of others that other people don't consider, but the two most important are uh, paid and organic. So there's paid search, which means you're in the four pack at the very top. Um, sometimes it means you're in the local listing and then there's organic, which means Google thinks that you're, you're, uh, organically relevant and they're going to position you somewhere in the organic results, organic optimization. The standard narrative that you're going to hear from people who do SEO is it's going to take, uh, 60 days, uh, 60 to 90 days. And, um, there's usually some sort of recurring element to it. Uh, meaning you're gonna have to pay me money forever. And then after 90 days, we have to continue to optimize. Cause if you don't optimize, you're gonna lose your ranking. That's a lie on two fronts. Agree. Yeah. And Tom, I'm sure this is probably a soapbox that you jump on often enough. If you're in any competitive market, it's going to take six to nine months at a minimum. If yeah. somebody, if they can get you optimized in 90 days, you're going after key phrases that don't matter. Now, 90 days used to be true, but that's before there was a, you know, a, a, a gold rush on SEO. So it's going to take six to nine months for you to begin to breach the top half of the first page with key phrases that matter. And in some hyper competitive industries, it could be 18 months. Now think about that. You're gonna have to make semantic decisions, strategic decisions, um, phrasing decisions, call to action decisions, unique selling proposition decisions. You have to decide your entire marketing plan 
And then you get to spend six to nine months before you begin to see whether or not there's an effective proof of concept. Now, what happens if you get to the end of nine months and realize, oh, people don't like my call to action or my message isn't, isn't resonating or I'm, I chose the wrong phrase. You just wasted six to nine months in a massive amount of money. The way to determine proof of concept ahead of time is to use PPC. So you, it's the same ecosystem, it's the same user base. Now there is something to be said for the change in psychology. They say that 67% of all um, high commercial intent clicks result in a paid ad. So people that click on organic are doing research, people that click on paid ads are, are buying. It's a different narrative, different words, different zone. Uh, paid ads, you can use more you know, buying verbiage and, and it, they tend to be verb focused. Uh, organic content tends to be like adjective focused because it's it's uh, descriptive. Now, all of that set aside, it's the same user base. So what you can do with PPC is you can use PPC to qualify all of the decisions you're gonna make with, with organic. Don't start to organically optimize until you've actually proven concept with PPC because PPC will tell you what key phrases are the most profitable, what ad copy, meaning what verbiage is the most profitable, what offers are the most profitable. It can tell you whether or not you're priced appropriately, who in your space is, is being competitive with you. Um, how competitive they're willing to be, whether or not you can even compete in this market, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. PPC points your muzzle. We don't take organic clients until we've proven concept in the realm of PPC. Um, and one of the most important things it does is help with semantic decisions. And I'll give you one really great example. I'm going to pause though and ask if you guys have any questions because I tend to just go off on tirades and not let other people. Well, totally intrigued. But one of the things I think our audience would like to know is when you're talking about some of these targeted specific audiences for PPC, when you're talking about high volume, are we talking like, car dealerships, lawyers, are, are we talking about those big, those high demand uh, as far as for Google AdWords? Yeah, so I'll give you an example. I have the highest performing real estate investment campaign on the planet and I can prove it with data. Um, we're in 25 geos, we offer geo exclusivity, which means we only have one client per city and a lead in this space can cost $500 to $1,000 with ease because the, the average cost per deal is usually hovers uh, just under around $15,000 and up. Um, you can make a hundred grand on one deal. So it makes sense that these people would pay a thousand bucks a lead. Um, we have the highest performing PPC campaign in the space and it's been conversion optimized over time. Um, so those are the type of industries that we're referring to, things like personal injury attorneys, right? Like things where you just have all of the vultures rushing straight into it. Believe it or not, roof repair. I have never seen something as competitive as roof repair. Yes. I, I agree with that, John Beal. I well, we're just gave him a little plug here now. That's all right. Uh, we, we're going to have to get him to. Pay, to, to pay. <laughs> I totally agree with you on that. Uh, the the roofing industry, especially uh, right before, like right now, with the hurricane coming, yep. even inland, uh, this would be a good time to start strategizing with uh, roof repair after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. How do you position yourself? How do you capture the traffic? And Google, by the way, needs to trust you. You can't just start running ads. Google, you need to have a tenured seasoned campaign and Google needs to know that you're going to deliver value. Google wants their user base to trust them. So if you're relevant, you'll rank higher and pay less money. Google's brilliant. And they're actually really high integrity. That whole don't be evil thing, I buy into that. And I drank the Kool-Aid. I think they're good folks. I think Facebook is run by a petulant child thief that should be shot. And I think that Google's run by like really good, for the most part, high integrity folks that are actually trying to help the world. Um, and again, again, I realize it makes me sound kind of like I'm a part of the Google cult and maybe I am, but, but keep that paradigm in mind when you're advertising on Google, because you need to be the right folks doing the right thing for the right reasons. I've seen anecdotally, I can't prove this, but when people have good reviews, they tend to rank higher, both organic and in paid ads. Now Google will deny the fact that that's a ranking indicator, but you know, I've been doing this 12 years. I, we, we manage 50 some odd, uh, accounts and solutions, eight and another 25 in my real estate company. Like I have enough anecdotal data to tell you that. There's there's enough of an impact for that to be 
uh, at least a consideration. Did you develop your own strategy or did you put it together based on some other strategies, books and so forth? I mean, did you kind of come up with your own or are you just not really reinventing the wheel? You're just executing it. No, that's a great question. It's both. I steal from everybody and, and I'm reading all of the time. I, I heard recently that Mark Cuban reads three hours every morning and I know why. It's because you have to you have to keep your finger to the pulse. So like, for instance, single key phrase ad group, Skag, I stole that, I think, from uh, Larry, whatever his name is. Um, over at WordStream, who I don't like. Um, but the bottom up that we're talking about, so what the, the, the paradigm that I'm presenting to you where you start with PPC and then, and then you, you, you use that as a predictive indicator, that's 100% us. And it actually wasn't even developed by me. It was developed by my chief strategist. His name's John Moran. He's absolutely brilliant. He just had a baby yesterday, actually. I'd, I'd probably include him on this. Yeah, yeah, beautiful little girl. Her name's Emerson Rose. More no sleep. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is funny because he was, he was in the office today grabbing his computer so he could work from home. Um, so John develops what we call bottom-up funnel creation for this reason, like agencies, and we used to be guilty of this too. You'd come to me and you'd say, hey, I want, I need an agency and we want to do this stuff. And we'd be like, oh, great. Let's do all of it now. Let's do your content creation now, your social media marketing now, your search engine optimization now, your PPC now, your funnel development now. And then you make all of the mistakes, but you make it 10 times, right? And we find out, oh, this key phrase doesn't work. Well, let's go change everything that we've ever done. Instead, we use PPC. And I'm not telling you that PPC is the end-all be-all. It's not the only thing you should ever do. It's not. It's the first thing you should do. Because once you've proven concept with PPC, it allows you to use all of that information and then push it into everything else you do, including analog marketing. I'm talking about like, like the uh, uh, direct mailers and television and newspaper and radio, everything that you learn from PPC, including demographic information, psychographic information, geographic targeting, um, time and dates uh, of, of advertising. I can tell you what day, what hour of what day of the week and what month people are more likely to sell you their house. Isn't that inf information that you would want if you were running radio ads? So, oh, absolutely. right, you can use everything that you've ever gotten out of PPC and you can use it in every single other medium. Um, once you have the PPC data, my next step, my next recommendation would be to use it for SEO. Here's my favorite example. It comes from the real estate investment space. We were bidding on a whole myriad of phrases, but two phrases in, in particular that I want to talk about. There was sell my house fast and sell my home fast. We thought that they were analogous phrases. Semantically, they're very similar. They cost about the same per click. They cost about the same per lead. The leads appeared to be similar quality. So our cost per acquisition was the same. So we were bidding on them the same. Because we were tracking our deal uh, flow through fruition, so we were seeing which deal closed, uh, how long it took, and how much money we made, we found out almost two years later, after hemorrhaging money, that Sell My House Fast performed exponentially better. People that use the word home we're less likely to sell their, their property to our investors. Anecdotally, I think it's because if you use the word home, you have a stronger psychological attachment to your property. It's, it, it, it induces emotion. Right. Now, I can't prove that. That's what I think. But who cares? We don't need to know why. We just know that that's true. But imagine had I been running SEO and I had accidentally chosen home instead of house because you have to choose one. It's a semantic game with Google. Um, I think it was the Hummingbird update that came out and, and, and really yeah. focused semantic search. That was a huge update, by the way. Oh, dude, it, it killed me on so many levels. I lost clients over it. It sucks right. to go to clients and be like, hey, Google screwed us and all the work we did over the last two years is gone. I'm so sorry. Um, but that's what happens when you run SEO because all SEO is technically black hat. And I'll get to that in a minute. Semantic search requires you to choose a phrase. Had we chosen sell my home, we would have spent 18 months because that's an insanely competitive phrase, optimizing for a phrase that we would not have known was not as valuable a phrase, but because we chose some, or because we ran PPC first, it allowed us the information necessary to act as a predictive indicator of what was going to be successful from an organic perspective, and we got to invest in the correct phrase. I have 4,000 phrases that we bid on. 
So that those are 4,000 decisions I need to make from a semantic perspective that PPC helps point our muzzle. So that's just one example of many why you need to run paid ads before you move into the organic space. I don't know. about money, if you don't mind, because I think a lot of small business owners who maybe don't understand this stuff, and, and I'll be honest, I'm in that category as well. I'm not a business owner, but what are we looking at for this, you know, this stretch of time where we're testing the waters and, and seeing if this is all kind of going to work out for us? That's a great question. If you're running a localized campaign, I think you need to spend usually about 1500 bucks a month at a minimum. And by localized campaign, I mean, you're like a, a dry cleaner or a karate studio. Um, I'm not going to say like dentist or CPA, dentist or CPA, you're in a more competitive space than um, $1,500 can be effective for. As a matter of fact, if you're a dentist, you're screwed because if you're a dentist, Groupon is running all the, you know, free cleaning, whitening, care, instruction, whatever. And then and it's $30. Um, so if you're a dentist, you need to go um, higher end products like all on four dental implants, veneers, um, 1500 bucks for local campaigns, three grand for regional or national campaigns or highly competitive campaigns. That's per month. And that's just spend. You also need to pay a guy like me. And by the way, if you re talk to a guy like me and they're charging you four, five, six hundred dollars a month, it's not worth it. They're going to waste your money. I'm probably one of the most expensive PPC managers on the planet, but it's because if I can spend a dollar and make it worth a hundred, that's no longer expensive, right? I'm amplifying the value of your dollar. So it's like trying to save money on your financial planner. It's the worst and last place you want to save money. Most PPC managers are using automated bidding. So I'll teach you guys how to, how to shop for a PPC manager. You don't want to use any automated bidding. Someday a robot will replace me. I know that that's true, but it's not today. If there was a way for AI to be better at PPC, that's essentially like somebody having um, a metal detector that finds gold digitally. They're not going to run around you saying, hey, do you want to buy my metal detector? They're going to run around buying businesses and blowing them the hell up, right? Nobody's just going to hand that to you as a service. So you want to make sure that they're doing manual bid adjustments because right now you need a human that has eyes on site. The other thing you want to do is check your change log. AdWords, or it's not AdWords anymore, it's Google Ads. Google Ads allows you to see every single change that has been made in your ads account. So what you want to do is hop on the phone with your, your uh, consultant and say, hey, what's that change? Why'd you make it? They need to have an answer. Here's the thing is sometimes I don't make changes. Sometimes I'll, we'll spend weeks or a month, depending on what your spend is, not making any adjustments, but I'll be able to explain to you why. I need this to reach to a predictive ratio of 100 before I make any changes because I don't know necessarily if this A-B test has yielded any results or whatever. But the guys who go, oh, I don't know, let me check with my team, or now you know, okay, they're using a bot or, or they're, they're using a template or, or they don't understand what it is that they're doing. You don't have to understand the answer. You just need to hear that they do. And if people can't explain things simply, they don't understand it well enough. So don't ever let them glaze over and offer, you know, you know, use big funky words and, and try to pretend like they're, you know, approaching you from above. They need to contextualize it in a way that you can explain it because Google Ads is very linear. They need to be able to say this key phrase was too expensive for this reason because we saw these conversions come in and this conversion wasn't effective enough. Bam, that made sense. Um, you, hit, you hit the nail on the head when you talk about um, early on when I researched and I did some training with uh, Google AdWords. Uh, I found out really quick, you have to, it's, that's a job in itself. You have to have some every day. That. Every and, day. And it wasn't, yes, every day. And it wasn't something in my business model that I wanted. We got asked that, but one, I knew that I couldn't do it and develop it in the area because when you're talking about some of those numbers, uh, I don't disagree with any of those as far as pricing goes, but uh, in our area, that means that people would have to really sell more like a lot more and, there, and there's not a big market so i think part of what i think some of our audience is going to be is well he must be in you know scottsdale he must be in big city areas more competitive more more uh more people to buy more opportunities what do you say to something like that when we're talking midwest 
rural areas. Does that still apply, do you believe, your model? The model, yes. The, the rules are principle-centered. So the fact that you need to be in your Google Ads campaign every single day, that's just a principle. And, and principles I don't think change based on context. Uh, the spend could decrease. We had a, a heavy equipment um, manufacturer that also offered service in the Midwest. And his clicks are so cheap, he could spend $500 and make millions um, because of what he does. And I need to be careful about that because he's actually a white label client. Um, if you don't have a business that scales, digital marketing is going to be very difficult for you. And, I, and I, I hate to say that and sound discouraging, but it's just true. What I usually do with clients like that is I try to help them identify where they can scale. Yeah. Because... You know, using the dentist as an example, and I just I use that because we've had quite a bit of dentists in the past. Um, you have a certain number of bays, right, chairs, and you have a certain number of dentists that work for you. And as soon as, like, let's say for every 100 leads, that, that equals 10 patients. Well, you know how many patients you can have in a day, which means we really know how many leads you can get. And at a certain point, you're going to have to turn it off. But it's many thousands of dollars you have to invest in me before we can actually make it work. And every time you pause it, the efficacy decreases. And then when we bring it back up, we got to get back up there and, and conversion optimize. You need to fix your funnel as a dentist. Uh, and that might mean bring on another bay, open another office, hire another dentist, but be ready to grow. If you're not ready to grow or scale, you're not looking for marketing. You're looking for retention, right? Now, this is an internal business problem that we need to address. Sorry, Tom, I interrupted you. No, no, that's a great point. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. And I'm, I'm wondering how many times you come across that where you deliver, because I do the same thing. We yeah. deliver for the clients and you, you it's like, well we're max and we don't want to do anymore. And I'm like, okay, well then you turn into business. I guess you turn into more of a business consultant at that point instead of a digital marketer and you start talking to them and working with them on how can they grow? What do they need? And a lot of times some of them don't. So it's this really kind of weird balancing act where they want you, but then they want to be only reactive and not proactive. And they don't want to have an actual plan in place. That's part of their budget. That's consistent. How, I mean, you run across that a lot as well. All the time. This is going to sound arrogant. I hope you guys will forgive me. I'm, I'm in a place now in our business where I can say this, but we don't take businesses that don't have some degree of scalability. And it's because the amount of time and effort and energy it takes for me to invest. I only have 12 employees. We're not a big shop. So we have to invest uh, a significant amount of resources, learning your business, learning your industry, learning your competition, learning your geography. And if you're going to turn it off in six months, here's the, the question that I ask. It's in my onboarding form. How many leads can you handle a month? And I always get some asshole that says, oh, as many as you, you know, I mean, they put their fingers behind their place. Maybe you can send me. And I'm like, no, you cannot. I will outrun you. I'm amazing at this. I'm going to outrun you. I need to know when that's going to happen. Can you handle hundred thousand leads this month? No, obviously I can't. Okay. Well, let's start there. Is it 50,000? You know what I mean? Like, let's let me just take this to absurdity and figure out where I'm going to beat you because I need to know how scalable you are. And if you're not scalable, it doesn't make any sense from a business perspective for me to invest in, in you as a client unless, and this is where things get really interesting, unless I can copy it, templatize it, and then spread it across the country, which is something I've been doing with a few different verticals. Um, so if I can't find a way to templatize your model, then I don't, I don't take those clients anymore. Um, I'll still help people. I consult for some folks. You know, I have a passion for small businesses. This is why I got into the, the, the industry in the first place. My dad's a small business owner. I wouldn't take my dad as a client. My dad sells hand-knotted rugs. Um, you know, there's only so many people that are going to buy those and there's only so many he can handle, but I, I want to help those folks. So I do stuff like this, 
But yeah, if you if you can't scale, digital marketing is so powerful. And I've worked myself out of so many jobs. It still happens. We had a client recently. They sell. Well, I won't say what they sell because there's not many people in their space. But like um, Apple's headquarters was one of their clients. They do a really amazing type of interior finishing for um, corporate offices, and we outran them. And we shouldn't have. They're they're VC backed. They have major funding. Um, they couldn't handle the influx in traffic and inquiries. And it wasn't just about leads at that point. It was about being able to answer the questions and answer the phone call. And I mean, you know, visibility means visibility good and visibility bad. So they're getting um, requests and phone calls and emails from like vendors and solicitors and, and they just couldn't deal with, you know, they're essentially just a really well-funded startup and they couldn't deal with it. And so they hit the pause button on us. Um, and as a business owner myself, I don't have people in long-term contracts. You have a 90 day commitment up front and then it's month to month for life. I run a million dollar business with 50 clients that are all month to month. That's insane. But our, 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 Performance and retention is so good that they stay. Um, but that means I can't I can't invest in a client that can't scale. I'm sorry I jumped on a soapbox there. I didn't mean to sound like a jerk. No, that's that's amazing. So just a little bit off topic for just a second about your business and how you started. You said this is 12, 12 years you've had your Yeah, business. that's kind of a lie, man. My so <laughs> 12 years ago I was building software. It's the same business, it's the same entity, it's the same corporate structure. And every digital marketer you ever meet, by the way, has the same story. All digital marketers are just failed entrepreneurs. So we just failed at everything else, and then we and then we landed where we are. And Tom, you're laughing because I bet you you probably have a similar story. I would have one other one. I actually like this industry. I like this field. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I started. I was building banking software. I was a software engineer. Uh, I was at First National Bank of Arizona on Bank Failure Friday when the FDIC came in and kicked indoors and seized the bank. It was the largest bank failure in history. If you've seen the big, have you seen the Big Short, the movie? Which one? The Big Short. It's got. Brad Pitt and Christian Bale. It's about so. It was, so it's about the catalyst of the financial collapse. The Big Short is about the bank that brought down Lehman Brothers and like basically caused the big collapse in 08. That bank, which is never named in the movie, but that was First National Bank. I was at the bank building them software. They were my client. So if you think about the financial collapse as a meteor that hit Earth, most people were taken out by the fallout of the meteor, right? Like it sends up dust and then blocks out the sky. I was actually in the building that the meteor hit. So I had this, I was building this massive application for them. I got a phone call from the gal that was running the project and I won't, I won't say her full name, but her, Kristen calls me and says, Hey, you're not going to get paid. The FDIC doesn't pay vendors. They're going to prioritize their payment. You're going to be like fourth in line. And, and it was a seven figure receivable and I had to figure that out. And so I ended up, I lost everything. I lost my house, my car. I fired all my employees. I was just like, absolutely, completely, totally like decimated overnight. And I was 20 years old. So I was an idiot because I was making all this like, way more money than a 20 year old should make. And so I'm like, you know, I had a big house on the hill that was mortgaged and a, and a luxury car that was financed. And so I ended up with nothing is a short version of long story. And the way a software engineer tries to make money is he goes and sells websites, which is like the cook washing dishes. You know what I mean? I was like, I just need to eat. Yeah, exactly. So I'm selling websites at like 300 bucks a pop just because I just need to feed myself. And I hated it. I hated everything about it. I hate what I still hate website development. But What's interesting about website development is when you're done with the website, people would say, well, what do I do now? Like, how do I get it found? And my answer used to be like, I don't know. That's not my problem. But right. slowly I started to see the opportunity and that's when I stumbled into marketing and I just loved it because it was cool, man. Like it was, in, you know, I used to, I was in this, this world where it was computers talking to computers and then I ended up in computers talking to people and like that entire interaction, like, you know, how do I, in an ethical way, but how do I get you to do what I want you to do? Like that weird game that we play as marketers, that just blew my mind. And so, you know, 12 years starting in software. And then I started my business in 06. It came near failure in 08. So I guess I've been 10 years at digital marketing. Um, 
And we just, we were so organic. Uh, you know, three years ago, I had 12 clients. And today I have, I have 50 plus 25, so I have 75. And, and I have three agencies. Like I've just, I, I found this one little thing in the world that I'm really good at. And I'm just expanding it as much as I possibly can. That is awesome, man. And I think that's the key to, key to that. I realized early on, I didn't have a passion or an understanding or commitment to dedicate to, to AdWords. Uh, and, and I would pass on it. But I also get frustrated too, and I'm sure you come across this, uh, there's not a lot of people that you can, refer. I'm big at referral. Like if yeah. I'm not good at something, I will pass it on to someone else. But there's so many people that think that they can just read one book or they can just go in and do it overnight. And these poor businesses, they get screwed. And yeah. then they have a bad taste in their mouth. And then when someone does come in that really does care about their business, wants them to be successful, will make the changes, will own anything. Then you're coming into that and it's very, very negative. It's very, oh yeah, this you're no different than the last person kind of person. And it just, they get hung up on names and letters and PhDs. And I'm yeah. like, at the end of the day, and I'm sure you can prove, you got to prove, man. You know, every, anybody can write a book. I know you wrote a book, nothing <laughs> against that. But almost anybody can do a lot of the things anymore and be fake. But it takes very, it takes the right person like yourself to be able to be committed and deliver. And I think that's what makes you a real entrepreneur because you see that you want success. You want to see the, the client succeed. You're not trying to make money. You're, your rush, every entrepreneur has that rush, is to see those clients grow and that you, you are the one that put them there. Am I right? No, dude, that's exactly it. I, yeah, I like to blow up businesses. Um, yeah. You change lives, man. I mean, if you can, if you can solve the my phone doesn't ring problem for somebody, that's that's the problem. Every other every other problem in business, you know, there's there's a system for. That's the one that really requires some creativity, um, and it's pretty cool to be that guy. You know what I mean? Like to be the one that people know that hell yeah, you got to call, you got to call Cosmo, you got to call Solutions Eight, because um, you're right. So many people that run AdWords, they just set it and forget it. Uh, and they follow the template and they press the buttons and, and we don't have buttons that people don't have access to. We just pay more attention. Um, yeah. So it's, it's pretty frustrating. It's pretty interesting. I'll say. All right. So I've obviously I've been dominated by this, but what questions do you have, Kevin? I mean, I'm, I'm just enjoying the, the back and forth with you guys because I'm just kind of soaking it in and, and, and trying to pick up anything I can. I, I'm obviously not a business owner. Um, I don't have a tangible item to sell. So I'm just kind of curious about, you know, how do you get noticed? You know, I, I don't, I'm not making money, so I don't have money to spend necessarily. So what about those types of, um, you I know, get a lot of those. Well, I guess. Yeah. So if you're just starting out, here's, here's my, my opinion on this topic and maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong, but there's something called the corridor principle. I don't know where I learned this, but it was in a book somewhere. Um, and they talked about how most major innovations happen once you're already in something, right? So you're manufacturing microphones and you're a microphone manufacturer. Maybe you're working at the microphone plant and you realize that the stand for the microphones is horrible and people are constantly bitching about the stand and everybody hates the stand. And all of a sudden you're like, man, dude, I could, I could build microphone stands. That's, a, yeah, that's an idea. So what I tell, especially young entrepreneurs, um, is start something, start somewhere, go get a job, go, go find something obscure, go, go work for your dad, go like just begin. Cause if you sit around with your whiteboard, you know, pacing back and forth, trying to think of the next big idea, you're not going to do it. But if yeah. you start anywhere bagging groceries at Safeway, 
and, and I'm not disparaging that, by the way, I really believe in the, the honor and, and integrity behind work, by, but just behind being productive and, and finding wherever it is. Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot, who I'm a really big fan of. Whoever, wherever you are right now, that's where you're supposed to be. And you can either disparage where you are and be like, okay, I'm bagging groceries at the, at the grocery store. Or you can say, you know what? This is where I am. And I'm going to be the best freaking bagger in the world. And in so doing, you're going to start to identify things like, oh man, it would be a whole lot faster if I was able to do this. Or it would be better if people did that. Or I noticed that people who come through don't whatever. Or everybody's buying potato chips. That's really, I didn't realize potato chips were that possible. Like no matter what it is, like you're going to, you're just going to end up with thoughts. You and see that's going to lead your business. Always have to be able to see opportunity and it's always out there. Always. Yeah. But you have to be like, you have to be out there because the opportunity is out there. If you're sitting around at a coffee shop or, you know, just at school or whatever, the people that make things happen are already making things happen. Now, the thing that's happening, you might not like, but at least you're out there making things happen. The folks that are sitting around bitching about stuff, man, I have no time for them. And I've got friends like this. I've got friends, you know, you hit up the, the pub or the coffee shop or whatever. And it's, it's always like, like the thank God it's Friday people, you know, and in my mind, I'm like, oh, just eat it dead horse. Like, I just hate that. That whole like, oh, I'm glad my week is over. Really? You're glad the most productive period in your life is, is, and you're just so happy that that's done. And you can sit around on the couch for the next 48 hours and do nothing. Like, I just, I can't stand that mentality. And, yeah. and it's those folks that are never going to make anything happen because they feel like, oh, there's no, nobody's going to come and hand me this, this golden opportunity that I want. It's like, yeah, you're not because I, there's folks like me and you, they're out there making it happen. Um, and again, I hate to sound so combative, but and I, we, we can't wait for Friday Cassine, because it's craftier Friday every Friday. That's what we look for. <laughs> yeah. So, you know why I can't wait for Friday because Saturday and Sunday I work and the people that usually bug me during the week aren't working. So Friday is yeah. fun for me because Saturday and Sunday makes me more productive. Uh, that might feel a little bit, hit a little too close to home for you as well. <laughs> so, when we talk about what businesses can do and you, and you kind of gave Kevin a great hint at, at where to start. You got to get out there and identify first, but when it comes to marketing, yeah. uh, what, I think this is what I want to ask you. What are like one to three questions a small business owner should ask if a person like you, me walks in and tries to sell or do something? What do you think they should really, because I think what I deal with is they don't know what to ask. They don't know the questions, but they just jump right in and they'll waste money. What do you, what would you, what would be a question or three questions max on what you would have them need to know about or ask? That's a great question. Did I actually stump you? Did you stop speaking? You did. So if I was trying to stump me. Yeah. Yeah. If I was heading into a business, I think the first thing I would ask is, um, have you ever worked with or for a business like mine? And it doesn't need to be exactly like mine, but analogous to. So if you're an arborist, maybe I've done a landscaper, right? If you're a dentist, maybe I've done a naturopath. But have you ever worked for a business like mine or kind of like mine? And if the answer is no, then I want to know, well, what makes you think that you can market for me? And if the answer is yes, then I want to know what you've done in the past. And I want to see some level of success. Now, I've been really successful for a ton of industries that I've never been in, but I've definitely had a learning curve and my clients pay for that learning curve, right? Like it's I'm making mistakes on your dime. You're funding my education, essentially. So you want to know that. The other thing that I want to know is what can I expect? Like what's the absolute best case scenario, blue sky? And this is where most marketers, I think, just lie their asses off. Um, okay. The, the most that I can promise and guarantee you is a feasible cost per acquisition. So if you hired me today, I'll tell you that in 90 days, and that's my number, in 90 days, I'm going to tell you how much I think a lead is going to cost now and how much I can make it cost long, long term. 
So, you know, you sell comic books, you've got a comic book store. I'll tell you, hey, I think it's going to cost me 20 bucks to get somebody in your store. You tell me that one in five people actually buy something. So it's going to cost $100 to get somebody to buy something. Now, you as a comic book owner get to decide, is that profitable? Yes. Uh, my first sale is usually never $100. So that's probably not profitable. But I also know that I have a lifetime value of a customer $1,500 because they always come back. So yes, that's profitable or whatever. Um, I can give you a feasible cost per acquisition up front. And then I can tell you what we can conversion optimize that down to time over time. Two data points for you that I think help answer this question. I do believe arrogantly that I'm my agency is one of the best in the world. And I say that because the information I'm about to give you is a gold standard. Of everybody that starts with us, only 50% retain after 90 days. I'm going to say that again. Of every new customer that we bring on, only half stay after 90 days. Now, if you ask me why, I'm going to tell you I did my job. They didn't realize how difficult digital leads are to field because you have to get to them within five minutes because they're fickle and they want instant gratification. They didn't realize how competitive it was going to be. They had a competitor that was dumping insane amounts of money and they didn't know that leads were so expensive. They're not priced well in the market. They don't know how to articulate the value proposition. They don't have a good sales force. Um, they don't have a sales force at all, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The first 90 days, I'm exposing their business to an organic ecosystem. And it's capitalism, right? Like markets are efficient. Hey, this is what things cost. This is what your competitors are willing to do. And if your competitor is offering you know, a free in-home evaluation and you're not, you lose. You lose. And all that we're doing is exposing those little idiosyncratic kind of inefficiencies. And if they're able to bridge the gap, then they retain it. If they're not, they don't. Half of people that run digital marketing with me don't retain. The other half, I have a 95% retention rate. They never leave because I'm printing money. It's an ATM. For every dollar you put in, I can tell you how many dollars you get out. It's called a golden ratio. People need to prepare for that. There's a 50% success ratio. And I don't think that that 50% is actually the marketing agency. I think that it's the things you don't know about your business. And so one of the things that I would ask an agency, and I'd, I'd, I'd already know the answer, but I would, I would just be testing them is, um, what are some things that could make this fail? And if they don't come at you with a collection, a litany of, oh, well, here's a, here's here are all my failures. And I can tell you, man, I'm, I'm an epic failure. I'm so good at failing. That's why I'm good at marketing. Here are all the things that can ruin us. You have a competitor dumping dumb money. Uh, it's too, it's too uh, saturated a market. Um, your key phrases aren't high commercial intent. People don't understand necessarily what you're, you're, you're selling. And so it ends up being a two-step process, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If they can't define effective failure for you, they're either lying to you or they, they don't know enough to mitigate against what those failures are. And I wouldn't hire that agency. I think those are very valid questions. And I think they're excellent to be honest, man. I think that's great. So a uh, little plug for your business, man. Uh, obviously, you can still grow because you already told us that you can scale. Because I can scale. Can't be hypocritical now. Yeah. So, what kind of clients are you looking for uh, that you would love to take on? Because we all have those. Oh man, I want this. I want this market. I want this industry. What's your white well right now? Do you have one that you're looking for? Yeah, I want manufacturing clients. If you manufacture a product, um, medical manufacturer. Medi I've had a ton of success with medical device manufacturing. Um, one of my clients is one of the largest manufacturers and distributors of ophthalmic equipment. And it's, it's a, such a scalable model because not just nationally, but internationally, we can put anything anywhere. One of my clients is the large, I think they're the largest manufacturer of lighting supply equipment. So like light bulbs and sockets. And um, one of our clients is the largest manufacturer of dog toys on the planet. If you go to Petco or, or uh, PetSmart or Costco or Walmart, you're buying from them more often than not. If you're manufacturing a product that's unique, what I like about that is A, I have a unique value proposition. You're not just a me too, because you're actually manufacturing. And B, I have a, a very scalable model. Um, SaaS companies are a good example. I actually consider SaaS companies to be manufacturers in a way. You're just manufacturing a digital product. 
So one of my clients, uh, they're called, there's Simplero. They, they're a, a membership management site. Um, it's an unbelievable value proposition. I was a client before they were a client of mine, actually. Um, but you know, if you've got a SaaS product, if you have a business that can truly scale, like when I ask you how much, how many more leads can you handle if, if the number really is something that you see taking me some time to beat, then I'm interested in talking to you. Um, oh, wait, hold on. SaaS system as a software. Did you know that? I did not. Okay. I just wanted you to know that. So when we were talking, <laughs> yeah. I didn't want you to be left out because you're my bud. Thank you. All right. Yeah, so like a Salesforce equivalent and Infusionsoft equivalent, if you've got a little piece of software online that does something and you've got some money to put behind the marketing, um, that's the other thing I'll say is I don't like, I don't like, I don't want to spend your rent money. So I have people come to me all the time and they're like, hey, you know, like I, I, I do, I have the money it's going to take to qualify this, but it has to work. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Put that in a savings account, dude. Like, you know, go, go invest that in your IRA. I don't want to gamble with your life. I don't feel comfortable doing that. Because mm -hmm. it fails half of the time. So you have just as much uh, chance going and throwing it on a roulette table. Like, let's just let it all right on black. Um, so I, I'd like to see some people that have, you know, I mean, you don't have to be exceptionally well-funded. I think uh, five grand a month for 90 days will pay for your spend and it'll pay for my fee. Um, and so if you can spend 15 grand for 90 days and, and effectively gamble that amount of money um, to see whether or not marketing can work, then I think I can, I think I can do some stuff. Yeah, how did how was that as an answer? No, it's great. Do you got another book in you? You gonna write another book? Yeah, I am actually. Uh, I don't know if I want to talk about it yet though, because okay, it's. Fine. I'm gonna burn some bridges when I do it, but yeah, yeah, I definitely. Oh, am. Okay, I already. I, I love it. You know why I like you because you're so damn damn honest. I like the brutal <laughs> truth. Uh, and, and you know, I'm sure we're gonna agree on a lot of things. We probably won't agree on everything, but I love the fact that you own your market. Uh, you're willing to be the best at it. You want to be the best at it. Uh, and uh, my company, we're at a, I think, yeah, we're just getting ready to hit the five year mark. So I know that when I hit 10, 12, uh, I better be at your level because uh, I, I got to start. I started, I got a high point. I got a high point to start, to start working. I got to take it up a notch, Kasim. I got to take it up a notch. Well, I don't know, man. Sounds like you're killing it to me. I've been stalking you a little bit before this call and you guys are, you're just so, all over the place. It's, it's the branding stuff. Uh, that works really well. I got a great look like you. I've got a great team. I know my niche. I know my yeah. market. Uh, I know what our clients can work and I know what, what people are wanting. I got a niche right now, um, but I do need, and we are scalable, but I do need to hit that next, that next benchmark probably soon within the next year or two. But uh, I got this guy. He's always on me. Stay focused. Um, but you know what? You're probably a lot like me too. I, when I do things, I'm a chess player in my head. So I know that when I'm doing one thing here, this particular item, this speaking gig, this, it's going to branch off to this, this, and this. So like, I'm very methodical about the things that I do and the things I get involved in. And I have no problem dropping things at, after a certain point, not because I'm trying to just get something out of them and leave, right. but I know that I like to go in, make a difference in a specific area. And then I like to move up kind of like almost like a serial entrepreneur, but I like being serial working with organizations to get them started, get them based, founded, and then keep moving. That's, I think that's my passion is getting them up and going. That's my adrenaline rush. That's awesome, man. Good for you. That's a great place to be because nobody else likes doing that. So the fact that you're good at it, that's great. It's hard. I like that.
Well, um, we went way over <laughs> our 30 minutes that I promised you, but I appreciate you taking up all your time. Absolutely. Um, we're going to recap some of this. We're going to share this. I definitely want to get this out to a lot of uh, the clients that I have. We're going to redistribute. I'm always about redistributing content. People sure. are usually one and done. I'm like, let's keep redistributing good content out there as long as it's relevant. And what's great about this interview with you is it's completely relevant for quite a, quite a while. Yeah. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Do you have any feedback for me, guys? I I, I want to do this. I want to be nerd famous someday. So, what can I do better? I think I, I'm I'm a groupie. I think you're already famous. Uh, I love. I would love to see more uh, video podcasts. I think you should definitely book more of these. I would love to see you do your own and and bring in. You know what? So, everybody in this industry, I'm a huge Gary Vee fan. I got Kevin hooked to Gary Vee. Yeah. You're much tamer. Uh, I'm yeah. sure that. If you let, <laughs> let, if we let you loose, you could be pretty darn close to a Gary B. But you've got that charisma, you've got the knowledge, you've got that passion about you. Uh, I think you, if you want my advice for me, I think you need to push yourself even more. I think you need to get outside your comfort zone. I think you need to do more speaking engagements, man, and be more strategic with it. Like, uh, and you probably have. I think I did see you were at South by Southwest, weren't you? Not this year, no. But you have been. I have been, yeah. And you spoke, correct? Yeah, not main stage though. I wasn't, then, I didn't get, I want to see you on main stage. Yeah. I want to be on main stage too. I don't know if I'm big enough for South by Southwest yet. Mm -hmm. I want, no, that's not what I want to hear. Yeah. I want to see, see you on the main stage of South by Southwest. All right. Done and done. I'll make done. some calls. Yeah. Right. Love it. Hey, yeah. thanks a lot. If there's anything that we can do, we, uh, we linked, uh, most of your social media platforms. If you want us to share any other ones other than the business one, your per just let me know. I try not to do personal because sometimes people get a little, little uh freaky yeah, doesn't bother me at all i'm an open book yeah i'm an open book too but uh let us know make any comments we uh oh kasim kicks butt oh yeah we didn't look at comments we got so ingrained of you uh doug devore kasim kicks butt sam banks says sweet suit guys uh and then we'll probably get some more make sure you follow the thread and, and if you want to post some other comments in here that you thought of afterwards or uh, if someone posts something in here i'll tag you but i'll go back and uh, I like staying engaged with the, the people that are, are, are on here. Absolutely. Yeah, happy to do that. All right, I'm going to give you the final words in the closing because I took I dominated today. And I'm glad you did because, again, I'm a sponge here. My critique, if you will, you are very confident and charismatic, and I think that that puts people at ease. Just listening to you, I was, I was intrigued and engaged, and, and I – We'll go back and read more of your stuff and, and follow up uh, for sure. But yes, uh, we appreciate you being a part of the show. And again, as Tom said, we will be redistributing content via our personal uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram accounts. And of course, then you can listen on Anchor and watch on YouTube for uh, any rebroadcasts. Yes, this is going to be one that I'm going to really push because there's a lot of good stuff in here. And, and what I love is working with other digital marketers is that when they're truly good, there's no competition. It's literally just sharing the knowledge because 99.9% uh, .9 of people will never use the information and advice that you give. <laughs> they just want to know you know it. And then it's like, all right, where do I sign? Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. You have a great day out in Arizona and uh, stay cool. Yeah, fellas, I appreciate you both. Thank you. Thank you. See ya. All right, guys.